morning, I'm going to read from the message translation, Matthew chapter 19, verse 1 through 11, the message translation of the scriptures. Uh, we are in our third segment in our series of messages entitled Painkillers. Today's message uh, deals with the subject matter of divorce. The first segment dealt with depression, disease on last week, and today we're going to look at the scriptures uh, regarding the subject of divorce. And these messages are designed to help us understand how there is grace and love even when we have experiences that numb us to the grace of God. Matthew chapter 19, it says, And when Jesus had completed these sayings, he left Galilee and crossed the region of Judea on the other side of the Jordan. And great crowds followed him there, and he healed them. One day the Pharisees were badgering him, Is it legal for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? He answered, Haven't you read in your Bible that the Creator originally made man and woman for each other, male and female. And because of this, a man leaves father and mother and is firmly bonded to his wife, becoming one flesh, no longer two bodies, but one. Because God created this organic union of two sexes, no one should desecrate his art by cutting them apart. They shot back in rebuttal. If that's so, why did Moses give instructions for divorce papers and divorce procedures? Jesus said, Moses provided for divorce as a concession for your hard-heartedness, but it is not part of God's original plan. I'm not holding, I'm holding you to the original plan and holding you liable for adultery if you divorce your faithful wife and then marry someone else. I make an exception in the case where the spouse has committed adultery. And Jesus' disciples objected. If those are the terms of marriages, we are stuck. <laughs> Why get married? But Jesus said in verse 11, not everyone is mature enough to live a married life. It requires a certain aptitude and grace. Marriage isn't for everyone. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Well, sometimes it's better to read the King James Version. <laughs> Don't understand it. Uh, you know, but it's better to read the King James. <laughs> Amen. 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 But today's message is entitled 4995. 49. 95. Uh, I read through a series of advertisements um, this week. One very interesting advertisement online said that you can unclog any sewer, any bathtub, or any sink for $49.95. Uh, Brother Kivis, uh, it's advertised that you can purchase a dynamic microphone. They're 50% off. You can get them at the low price of $49.95. I know within the congregation today, there are budding entrepreneurs sitting among us, and every entrepreneur knows that in order to have a successful business, it's important to have a 
well-written business plan. Well, you can purchase you a business plan offline for the low price of $49.95. I know most of us are very healthy and we eat well and we exercise on a, a regular basis, but a few of us don't eat well and therefore we need medication to modify our poor eating habits. Amen. Uh, uh, if you just take a pill or two every day, or maybe it's a vitamin, just sort of raise your hand if you take a vitamin or something. Amen. There's another thing that they offer. It says Dr. Oz uh, promoted a multi-alarm pill box. Yeah, multi-alarm pill box with an easy set timer. It will ring up to 37 times a day to remind you to take your pills, and you can actually put it on your refrigerator. And you can get this multi-alarm pill box for the low price of what? $49.95. I purchased a, what I thought was one of the most beautiful cars I've ever seen. I purchased a, an Aqua uh, Mercedes-Benz 420 SEL. It was one of the best riding cars I had ever ridden in. The seats were just divine to sit on. The sound system was great. Leg room for my six foot four inch frame, ample leg room. I actually had to move the seat up. It was so spacious, had enough room for the kids in the back seat. And But I, I love that car very much. As a matter of fact, when I see the pictures of it, I, I still love it. But I got rid of it. Amen. I got rid of it because it was costing me too much. If I had known when I got that Benz, if I had known that it was going to give me that much trouble, I would not have married it. I mean, I would not have <laughs> bought, bought it. I would not have bought, bought it. Yeah. it and, and I was reading the sports section of the um, Miami Herald one day, and they have all the advertisements in the sports section down at the bottom of the page, and I saw an advertisement from Big Al's Towing. It said, towing up to 100 miles for the low price special this week of 49 what? 95 Cost me thousands of dollars to get into that car, but I got out for 49 95 You know, that sounds like a wedding to me. You know, it costs you a whole lot to get in it. Amen. But we uh, uh, look to on the cheap to get out of it. I have a friend who has owned at least 30 cars. He's probably uh, 10 years my younger than me. He's owned at least 30 cars in his lifetime. But he buys cars with the understanding with the, uh, that if this car does not um, suit me, if I discover something I don't like about it, I will get rid of it. And that's what he does. If he doesn't like the car, he will ride around in it a few months. If he hears something, feels something, doesn't like it, he will get rid of it. But I do want to say that God did not intend for us to treat marriage like we treat cars. Yeah. In the, in the text, the topic of divorce surfaces as Jesus is engaged in a conversation about discipleship. Uh, in June of, of 1944, the Allied troops stormed the beaches of Normandy off the coast of France. 
and they were in for a battle that would determine the outcome of the war, the location, the strategic position of Normandy. Whoever was to conquer that small strip of land would determine the outcome of the war. Um, what happened when the Allied troops won the victory on D-Day, Normandy, on that day, they all but secured a victory over the Nazi powers in World War II. It was a fight. It was painful. The losses were great, required much sacrifice. Many of the soldiers thought about abandoning ship, leaving the effort because of tremendous loss on that one day. But the troops who fought and the commanders who had issued the command to attack knew what was at stake. And when one gets married, one has to know what's at stake because the enemy knows that if he can destroy marriages, he can inflict serious damage. He can't destroy the family. Divorces don't destroy families. Divorce fractures families. And he can inflict serious damage on the family. Now, the foundation, the very foundation of a family is a marriage. A marriage of one man and one woman who are committed to each other. Husbands and wives are guardians. Somebody say guardians. Not just of the family, but also of the marriage. Both marriage and Family are equally important. Now, marriage is a covenant between two people who have made a covenant with God. Amen. Now, let me say that if there is no covenant with God, let's not make a covenant with each other in marriage. Before we make a covenant with each other, there should first be a covenant with God. I was listening to Power 96. I don't usually listen. My favorite radio station actually is um, 91.3 public radio. But I have a daughter who likes Power 96. So I was exposed to the lewd and lascivious uh, lyrics of a multitude of loose, loose artists. And they were singing all kinds of stuff. But it's good to hear what your children listen to. Don't turn the radio off. Don't go to cussing and raising sand. You just need to sit there and listen because you also had some music in your generation. Amen. Don't try to act like ludicrous. Just got ludicrous. It's been ludicrous all the time. Amen. But I was listening to Power 96. And on Power 96, they said that January is the month of the year where there are the most divorces of all the 12 months. January is the busiest month for divorces. And I can understand that because if I was going to get a divorce, I'd go ahead and get, eat that turkey for Christmas and get my gift, get my gift, and then, amen, I get my gift, and I, then after I got my gift, amen, I said, well, listen, I got some news. Well, never, let me, let me, let me. But, but January is the biggest, busiest month, busiest month. 
Now, as Jesus was teaching, look, look, Jesus wasn't teaching on marriage. Jesus was teaching on discipleship about what it means to walk with God and live the God-filled life. The religious teachers, you got to be careful when you're hanging around religious folk. Yeah, those who know scripture too well are often those who are not committed. They're committed to discussing scripture but not committed to living scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to be careful. Don't get fooled by the most, the, the, by, by a person who can quote the Bible. Here they are. Here they are. And Jesus is, look at Jesus is not teaching about marriage and family. He's teaching about discipleship, about how to walk with God, how to have a God-filled life, how to order your prayers, how to treat your brother and sister, how to be reconciled in the times of sin, how to pray properly, how to get. And in the midst of his teaching about how to walk with God, the religious folks say, we have a question. We've got to get off subject, to get off subject because... You see, when you, you see, it's one thing to talk scripture, but it's another thing to live it. And when I'm not living it, I want to change the subject and let's talk about some, something else. Let's talk about something else. And so Jesus uh, uh, must have been bowling down their alley. And so they said, we want to ask a question. It said, is, is, it, is it right um, for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? See, they were trying to trap Jesus. Amen. And here, as they laid the trap, they were very aware, and Jesus was very aware that during that time, there were two opposing opinions in their community and in their society about how divorce was supposed to be handled. The first opinion was that a man could only divorce his wife if she had a part-time lover. Yeah, if she had a secret lover, if she was in Fantasia's uh, song and video, her video, yeah, bittersweet. If, if that, that's, 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 if she was dealing with that kind of thing, then he could, upon discovery, he could divorce her. And then the other school of thought said that a man could divorce his wife for bad cooking or bad hairdo or if she had bad knees or bad back. If she had bad breath, he could divorce her. Yeah, anything he did not like, if he discovered it was something he didn't like about her, you know, then he could divorce, divorce her. And they asked him, can a man, they, looking at this side of it, divorce his wife for any cause? And Jesus essentially said this. Divorce on demand threatens the stability of the family. He is essentially saying it is a threat even to your walk with God to believe in the principle of divorce on demand. The church cannot be pro-family and pro-divorce at the same time. Now, divorce may happen. It may have to happen, but a church cannot be pro-divorce. Amen. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 that a man leaves his father and mother and he unites with his wife, cleaves to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Therefore, marriage is defined as a union, and this is not in your notes, but you may want to write it down. Marriage is defined as a union. You may want to write it down because there's a debate going on 
in America about this, so you may want to write it down, but marriage is defined as a union between one male and one female. As you read the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, there are men and there are women, characters in the Bible, but there is no um, same gender marriage in the Bible. Amen. Now, I don't care how you mix the scriptures up. Uh, Yeah, the scriptures are not like gin and tonic where you can put so much tonic in it till you can't taste the gin. No, no. The scriptures, the scriptures, the Bible says that the word of God is quick and powerful sharper than a two-edged sword and it pierces even to the dividing of soul and spirit and it discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart and therefore a gender same gender marriage is not a biblical topic or neither is it permitted by scripture God designed marriage to be permanent until death and anytime a person gets a divorce It is not consistent with the original plan of God. Now, one might say in uh, an appeal to this, marriage is difficult. And I would say, amen. Yeah, 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 yeah. Marriage, so is ice skating. Yeah, marriage, so is eating fish with bones. Yeah, and eating neck bones is difficult amen come on yeah man. yeah you're right Matt getting a phd in microbiology that's what difficult prosecuting a case where your heart is telling you one thing but your principles of legal legal jurisprudence is telling you something else yes marriage is what difficult it's very very difficult and therefore it must not be entered into unadvisedly or lightly One might say, well, my spouse didn't show this side before we were married. When you are probably right. Yeah, because during the courtship, during the engagement, I have discovered that people have many sides. I wish I had some help. Yeah, it's, it, you got, there's a left side and there, there's a right side. There's a back side and then there are some other sides. You're probably right. They didn't show that side. And you see, because we have sides that are revealed. And then we have other sides that are concealed. And you see, what well, the thing is about marriage, marriage does not create problems. Marriage reveals the sides that we were trying to conceal. Yes, yes. We are often dishonest in our courtship. The question is why we carry that dishonesty over into our marriage. Why are we dishonest and why are we often so unwilling to forgive? Why can we be cold and unenthusiastic in our marriages? Why are we able to see the dysfunction and the negativity in our spouse? But we cannot see the dysfunction and negativity that we brought to the relationship ourselves. Why are we so willing to pay $49.95 for a ticket to see Usher cancel his concert, but not willing to pay $49.95 for marital counseling and marital refreshment? Why are we willing to pay $49.95 for a pair of earphones to listen to our iPod? But we're not willing to pay $49.95 for 
a dinner, a quiet dinner where we can sit and listen to one another. Why are we willing to pay $49.95 for a monthly charge of premium cable channels, but unwilling to pay $49.95 for premium communication classes? You see, marriage cannot work when the cable is fixed, but the communication is broken. I wish I had somebody who would help me try to explain this today. Marriage cannot work when we love our work more than we love our spouses. Marriage cannot work when we love our spouses and our children or even ourselves more than we love God. You see, if a marriage is going to work, it can't be built on a spouse. I wish I had some help in here. Oh, no, you can't build your marriage on the beauty and intelligence of your spouse. Uh, they used to sing a song back in the old days, build your hope on things eternal. If you're going to build a marriage, you got to build it on something more lasting and stronger than your spouse. Yeah, your spouse is cute and he's got him some six packs. Yeah, but you're going to find that there's going to be a day that six pack ain't going to turn you on. You're going to need something more than some abdominal muscles to make it through a marriage. God, come on, God has to be in the marriage. I didn't say God has to be in your heart. You got to get God out of your heart and make God an integral part of the marriage. Yeah. And so marriage is a covenant. See, covenant, and we should use that language more when we talk about marriage because covenant is God talk. Covenant means this, that God makes a promise and we respond in light of what God has promised us. And God's language of covenant means it's hang in their language. It's when the, see, when the covenant is broken, that means the marriage is in trouble. And the divorce, my brothers and sisters, when marriages get in trouble and end in divorce, Divorce can be so devastating that it can numb us to the joy of the Lord. Yeah. And when we don't have the joy of the Lord, we will look for joy in other places. That's why when many people get divorced, they become girls and boys gone wild. After a divorce. Yeah, after a divorce, things that you wouldn't even think of doing uh, before you were married and in a marriage, you go crazy after a divorce. Because what happens is that we begin to seek what only God can fill. The question was, well, if marriage is so difficult and so hard to maintain a marriage, why did Moses allow us to get divorces? And Jesus has answered. He said, a hard heart hinders healthy relationships because of the hardness of our hearts. Because a hard heart is simply a metaphor for our own personal sinfulness, personal 
transgressions and disconnection with God. Marriages fail because somewhere there's a spiritual disconnection. Marriages fail because somewhere there is sinfulness. Now, according to one of the schools that was in vogue in Jesus' day called the Shammai School, their belief was that a man could only divorce his wife if she committed adultery. She could not divorce him if he loved his job more than he loved her. But he could divorce her if he caught her in adultery. She could not divorce him if he were cold and unresponsive. She could not divorce him if he was a flirt or tease or an internet porn fiend. She couldn't divorce him. She could not divorce him if he was a poor manager of his financial resources and wasted them in gambling and drinking and hanging out and not coming home. She could not divorce him. But if she committed adultery, he could divorce her. He could divorce her, but she couldn't divorce him if he was a gambler, if he was abusive or lazy, or if he was overbearing. She could not divorce him. You see, this school of thought wanted rules but it wanted rules that did not apply to them. That's the way it is often in the marriage. This is how our marriage ought to be and should be, but the person who's talking the rule talk often does not want the same rules applied to him. I wish I had some help in here. You got to be careful about folks who love rules because usually folks who love rules love to be also exempt from the rules that they love. They love rules as long as the rules apply to somebody. I wish I had somebody. That, that, that was this crew. That was this crew. Can, if she commits a doctor, can I divorce her? But then there was another school. The Hillel school did not want any rules. What they said is that he's a full-grown man. I'm, full, I'm, a grown, I'm a grown man. And I ought to be able, I don't need anybody to tell me when it's time to go. If, if, if I, if I want to leave, I ought to be able to leave my wife for any reason at all. And so that's what we call today the no-fault divorce. You've heard about it. We are getting divorced because of irreconcilable. Now, come on now. That doesn't even make no kind of sense. Irreconcilable. Now, all differences are reconcilable, but some are just harder to reconcile than others. And I resign myself. I ain't going through no mess trying to fix this junk up. I'm done with it. And so that's that's, that's just a nice way. In other words, this is the kind of situation they wanted. Have you heard people say, well, it was nice while it lasted, (laughs) but it's time to move on. Yeah, he's a nice person, but we are going in what? Different directions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When when we got married, I was at one place, but now I've outgrown him. Yeah, and and then those who are really religious, they start talking this talk. Well, our season is over. Yeah, it's just our season. It's just our season is over. That, That season has passed. 
yeah, yeah. Well, see, that school of thought, that school of thought says that if you're not feeling the marriage any longer, you can get out of it for $49.95. If she's not floating your boat, get a boat that will float for $49.95. After all, God does want me to be happy. And if I'm not happy here, I can find me some happiness for the low price of $49.95. But I just want to let you know, if you think that the cost of a divorce is only $49.95, you got another thing coming. Yeah, God, listen, listen, God, God may desire you to be happy. But God knows that every day is not going to be a happy day. I wish I had some help in the house. If you read the Bible carefully, there are even some days when God's heart, I wish I had some is grieved. Ah, uh, yeah. But the Bible says in some weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I may have some difficult days, but there's the hope of a sun rising tomorrow. And if the sun will rise tomorrow, that means that the old day has passed and I got me a fresh day and God always brings some new joy with a new day. Yeah. Yeah, every day will not be happy. Healthy living, living well, listen to this, is the progressive ability. It's the growing ability. It's the maturing To manage both the happy days and the hurting days. Marriages fall victim to hard hearts. And those marriages that do end up, often end up in divorce court. The greater, the harder the heart, the larger the hurt. The greater the hurt, the more likelihood of a divorce. Now, I want to be honest with you. I don't have a prescription. You know, I, I don't have a prescription for preventing divorce. Wish I did, but I don't. Um, I could tell you, well, if you want your marriage to work, what you do is get together in the morning and read two chapters of Song of Solomon every day. <laughs> and that's going to make your marriage work. I can tell you, well, the key to having a happy marriage is for you to have sex three times a day and eat dinner together (laughs) at five. (laughs) It might make for a good afternoon, but it won't make for a good marriage all the time. Sometimes you got to go pick the kids up. (laughs) I wish that was a prescription. I wish I could tell you that if you prayed together, read the Bible together, it was as simple as that. Um, cover yourself with oil. I wish I could say, if you did this, you'd get that. But the truth is, that's not true. Some of us have prayed with our mates and it still ended up in divorce. Some of us have fasted. Some of us have listened. Some of us have had sex three times a day. 
I would say, in those early days. <laughs> but it still did not survive. Listen, I cannot give you a formula. Can't give you a formula, but I can give you a model. I can give you a model. One of the principles in the model wrapped up in the poem when things go wrong in marriages things will go wrong when things go wrong as they sometimes will don't quit when the road you're trudging seems all uphill when the funds are low i'm talking to somebody and the debts are high when you want to smile but you have to sigh and cares are pressing you down a bit rest pull back reflect get your break go get your caramel macchiata from from Starbucks, rest if you must. Go ride your bike. Go take a walk. Go to the mall. Walk around. Let them lock you in overnight. Rest if you must, but don't you quit. Sometimes it's just hanging in there that gives you victory. Can't give you a methodology, though. But I can point you to a model. Because the Bible says that the church is the bride of Christ. Amen. The Bible says the church is the bride of Christ. And Jesus could pay $49.95 to get out of this thing, but he's still married. You know what? When you read the Bible, Cain killed his brother Abel, but Jesus is still married to the church. Moses neglected his wife and children, but Jesus is still married to the church. Jeremiah told him, I'm never going to talk to you again. Or talk about you anymore. But Jesus still married to the church. Twelve disciples left him hanging at the time of his greatest hurt and the time of his greatest need. They abandoned him. But he's still married to the church. His bride, the church, is guilty of every sin and every act of disloyalty known to man. His bride has sold slaves to others in his name. His bride has denied women the right to vote in his name. She has used his name to conquer continents and decimate indigenous people and strangle communities and to discriminate against Japanese and Native Americans and gays and Latinos. But he's still married to his bride. He has been replaced by money, power, and greed and fame. Some people love their money more than they love him. The church has often demonstrated that it loves power. More, wants to be a big and want him to be small. Sometimes they don't even want his name mentioned, but he refuses to divorce his church. He is despised, the Bible said, and rejected. A man of sorrows unacquainted with grief, but he's still hanging in there with his bride. And you know what? Here's the thing about him. Here's the thing about him. Here's the thing about him. He's got $49.95. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have a cash shortage. He can finance his departure. But in light of the fact that he can finance, he still hangs in there with his bride. Now, I'm not qualified to tell you how he does it, but I can show you that he does do it. Jesus has never filed for a divorce. Now, he should have filed. I wish I had somebody. Yeah, he, he should he should have. No, yeah, he should have filed for a divorce, but he has not filed. And most of us, if we had a spouse like Jesus has a bride, we would have told her or him long time ago to hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back. 
no more. Somebody would have told him, I'll bust the windows out your car if you don't get out of my house. We would have told him a long time ago. You got to go. They would have walked in the house. They said, what you doing? Say, I'm getting ready to leave. Say, you can't go. I've already take, taken your car keys. Say, well, that's all right. There are 50 ways to leave your lover. Like slip out the back jack, make a new plan, stand on, need to be coy, Roy, just listen to me, hop on the bus. Gus don't need to discuss much. Turn on the key, lead, and set yourself free. If we had a spouse like Jesus has a bride, none of us would hang in there with her. Jesus went to the judge. He went to the judge. He went to the judge to discuss the situation that was going on between him and his bride. But the judge said, but before we can talk about the marriage, I want to talk about your bride. He says, I look at your bride's record. There is a pile of violations. Here is a file full of unpaid fines. For inexcusable violations. And before we can continue this conversation, these fines have to be paid for. They have to be satisfied. And they're going to cost a great deal more than $49.95. Let me tell you what Jesus did. Without a second thought, Jesus left the judge's chambers And he made his way towards making a payment for his bride's fines. Now, he made a few stops along the way. Stopped by Bethlehem just to wait until the Magi got there. He stopped by uh, a pool where there was a man who'd been there for 38 years and told him to get up. He stopped by a wedding and he turned some water into wine on his way. He stopped by a man's house where his daughter was dying on his way. He stopped by the cemetery to call Lazarus out and then to scope out where his own spot was going to be. He made his way to Calvary because that was the place before he got into the marriage thing. He said, let me take care of this indebtedness. He made his way to the cross where all of his bride's indebtedness you talking about love. I don't know. I don't know how to do it, but I can show you somebody who has done it. And what he did What he did, what he did, what he did, he made his way. He heard about the condition. He he didn't realize that bride was in this bad shape. When he heard about the condition, he committed to paying every fine. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know there was a fine for lying. There's a fine for stealing. There's a fine for being arrogant. There's a fine for bragging. There's a fine for being mean-spirited. There's a fine for spiritual pride. Stay there on the cross. First hour, stay there. Is it paid yet? No, not paid. Still got some more to pay. Stay there, stay there, stay there. Till the angel whispered in his ear and said, look, look, look like the balance has been satisfied. He hollers out with a loud voice, it is finished. The price has been paid. But check this out. 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 
Check this out. Often I know what happens. I know what happens. I know what happens. I know what happens when people get divorced. I know what goes through their mind. I know how they feel spiritually. I know how they feel like they let God down. And they let their family down. And they let their children down. And they're no longer, uh, 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 no longer entitled to serve God. No longer entitled to preach or teach or to, to show an example of what it means to be godly. But when he said it is finished, he means it's finished for everybody. Even if you have gotten a divorce, there is nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. There is no sin that the blood of Jesus cannot wash away. God's grace is extended. Hallelujah. Now I want to speak to somebody in here today who's been holding back on God because they think they're not good enough. The Bible says, lift up your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors. I wish I had a witness. And the king of glory shall come in. Let him come into your heart today with some new joy. Let him come in to your heart today with some new energy, some, some new vision, some new strength. He paid. He paid. We're divorced will steal your joy, make you think you're less than human, not deserving of the grace of God. Well, God gives you that grace anyway. Listen, let me just say this. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And unfortunately, we don't when we're born, we don't get to sign up for the sins that we'll we'll, we'll commit ahead of time. The things that we do often surprise ourselves that we've actually done some things. But what's even more surprising is that the grace of God covers all of that entirely. Let's stand to our feet.